Let's take our Bibles today and turn to the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter number 5 today. Ephesians chapter number 5. And I want to begin reading. First of all, that choir was fantastic. Amen. And special singing. I know our choir, I'm telling you, they work hard. Y'all know that. They work hard. Every, every Sunday night they're practicing. They came up here yesterday and practiced and and man, you can tell they put a lot of work into it. That was certainly a blessing. Ephesians chapter 5 today, and uh, we'll begin reading in verse number 1. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 1 today. Apostle Paul says this, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks, For this you know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Notice this next word. This is an important word today. Walk. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are approved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, Be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer this morning. Father, we come to you today once again thanking you, Father, for who you are. God, we're so thankful today for Bible Baptist Church. And Lord, uh, the goodness you've shown in my life, but the goodness you showed to all of us here. The work you've done here has been incredible, Father. And, And Lord, we're excited to see what the future holds for this church. But God, I pray today, I pray you help us as we open up the Word of God. Help us to push aside all distractions today and help us to focus on what you have for us individually. Lord, we'll thank you, Father, for all you do. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. A common phrase that that I often hear almost weekly is this. Our country is in a mess. Our society is is growing more corrupt and immoral seemingly by the day. 
things that would have been rejected in nightclubs and, 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 and bars 30 years ago are now being accepted in churches. And oftentimes we say this, people have never dealt with the things that we are facing today. We'll say that. Or we say, our children are facing difficulties that no other children in history have ever faced. Or we say, it's harder to live for God today than it's ever been. I've heard, I've heard those statements before. Now, not to make light of the ungodliness in our society, but if you pick up your Bibles and you read passages like Daniel chapter number 1, you quickly find that there have been some children and teenagers that have faced far more difficult times than our children have faced. And when you open up the, the Word of God and you read books like Acts, you read books like 1 Peter, you read books like Hebrews, you quickly find, or really, if you look just at different Christians around the world, you'll quickly find that we don't have it as bad as we think we do. Yes, it's wicked. No, it's not as easy as it was in the 80s and the 90s. But we still have freedoms today that most Christians throughout history have never had. In the book of Ephesians, Paul is writing to a group of believers who were living in an anti-Christian society. Ephesus was not Mayberry. In fact, Ignatius, one of the most well-known Christian martyrs, referred to Exodus as the high, or Ephesians as the highway of the martyrs. Because Christians at that time would be brought, would be brought from, from Asia to Rome and they would have to pass through Ephesus to go to Rome to be sacrificed there in the Colosseum to lions. However, Ephesus wasn't just hard for Christians because of the threat of persecution, but also because of the draw and the pull of the ungodliness of that society. Just like America... There were many things in Ephesus on display that would be attractive to a believer's flesh. And at the beginning of Ephesians chapter number 5, beginning in verse number 3, Paul begins to warn these Ephesian believers about specific sins that were prevalent in their society. He warned them about immorality, such as fornication, such as uncleanness, impurity. He warned them about greed such as coveting. He warned them about how they talked. By the way, as believers today, we should take heed to these things as well. Believers shouldn't talk like unbelievers. We shouldn't allow the ungodly language of our culture to influence how we talk. By the way, that includes gossiping and slander. I know I'm in a Baptist church. That's ungodly as well. But then in verses 7 and 8, he says this, be, ye not, be not ye therefore partakers with them. Or simply he's saying this, don't live your life like a lost person. Don't make decisions like those who are without Christ. Notice what he says in verse number 8. For ye were sometimes darkness. Notice he didn't say that you were just in darkness. He says before you got saved you were darkness. You were sometimes darkness, but now, after you've gotten saved, are you light in the Lord? So as a result of that, walk as children 
of light. Why should believers not make decisions like those who are without Christ? Because we're light. When you got saved, you became light. I be- understand this. A believer can see what an unbeliever can't see. That's what he's saying there. In other words, Paul is saying this. When you got saved, God gave you the Holy Spirit of God. He took up residence in your, in your earthly tabernacle. And so you know what they don't know. You know better. That's what he's saying. You know better. But notice that Paul says at the end of verse number 8, walk as children of light. Now, that word walk is important in the book of Ephesians. It's used seven times, and it's not necessarily talking about our our physical walk. But the word walk there is referring to our conduct. It's referring to our lifestyle. But beginning in verse number 15, Paul begins to get more specific about our walk. In that verse, Paul introduces us to our God. He introduces us to someone that is the key to making us distinct in this dark world that we're living in. And that God is none other than wisdom. Now, wisdom is a word that we're all familiar with, but we, we use it quite often. But, but what, what is wisdom? What does wisdom really mean? I love this definition. Wisdom is the ability to live life skillfully from God's point of view. In other words, wisdom may start in my head, but true wisdom will work its way to my hands and it'll work its way to my feet. It may start in my head, but it doesn't stop in my head. So when I walk in wisdom, when I conduct myself with wisdom, I make my choices, I make my decisions, not with my ability, but with his ability. I don't know what's going to happen five minutes from now. I hope it all goes good, but I I can't promise you that. I don't know what's going to happen five minutes from now. But when I allow God's wisdom to lead me and to guide me, I'm trusting in the one who knew me before the foundation of the world. This wisdom, this God, he knew about every single scratch that I would ever receive. Every single time I'd fall on the skin of my knee, every paper cut, every injury, every band-aid I would ever need, well before I was ever, God, God knew about every single obstacle that I would face. He knew about every choice that I would make. He knew about every sickness that I would ever deal with. He foreknew the smallest details of my life and the biggest decisions of my life. But here's the thing. God doesn't even have to contemplate what the right choice is. God never has to say, hmm, let me think about that. Because he already knows. That's wisdom. So when I walk in wisdom, I take my limited understanding and I sit it on the bench. And I give the keys to him. I say, God, you take over. You make the choices. You lead me. You guide me. I give the keys to the one who knows all things. So with that in mind this morning, I want to preach on this simple thought. Walking in wisdom. Walking in wisdom. And I want us to look at three wise choices that we can make to truly walk as children of light in a dark world. Number one, I want you to see this in verse number 15. We must be cautious in our walk. 
cautious in our walk. Notice what he says here in this verse. See then, or because you are children of light, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. So as we've already seen, the word walk there, it means lifestyle. It means conduct. So here in verse 15, Paul says to walk or to live circumspectly. Now, there's a word picture in that word circumspectly. Cir- circum, it means, it means around. Circumference, it means around. Spect means you see spectacle, spectator. So you see the word there. So circumspectly means you walk or you live and you look around as you go. You're, you're cautious. You're constantly on the lookout. That's the picture there of that word. We're supposed to be, a, we're supposed to be aware we're supposed to be cautious. We're supposed to be precise or, or purposeful as we live our lives. We're to walk like a soldier walks through a minefield. Because the truth is, there are many spiritual minefields in the life of a Christian. And some of the places that contain the mines look anything but harmful. Some of the minds that Satan has planned to blow your life to smithereens with may look very appealing. They may sound very appealing. But here's the thing. Not all the minds in our lives have property of Satan written on them. Not all the minds that we have to avoid have red warning labels on them. But they appeal to our senses. They appeal to our eyes. They appeal to our ears. The old saying is very true. All that glitters isn't gold. It may look good, but it doesn't always mean it is good. This is why we must walk circumspectly or cautiously because these minds are everywhere. But notice that in verse 15, Paul tells us about two different types of people. One who does live cautiously and another who doesn't live cautiously. Now, the first type of person he mentions there is the fool. Now, if you want to break down of what a fool is, read the book of Proverbs. It goes in very great detail. But to sum it up, the fool is simply someone who has the mindset of rules are made to be broken. A fool hates boundaries. A fool has the mindset, if it feels good, do it. They're not cautious. They're not careful. They're not precise. They don't have a purpose. They just live life by the seat of their pants. That's what a fool does. Now sadly, that kind of lifestyle is appealing to a lot of people. It's celebrated in our society because they think that living a life with no boundaries, living a life with no rules is true worry-free living. But may I remind you that while you just float through life and indulge yourself with any kind of vice that you can get your hands on, you're also planting seeds. And one day, you're going to have to deal with the crop that you're seeing is going to bring forth. And you don't get to take Roundup to it either. It's coming. You're going to have to eat the fruit of your own way. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Paul says don't be foolish in your walk. He says be wise. 
Now, when you look at the book of Proverbs, you find that the foolish and the wise, as you know, they're on opposite ends of the spectrum. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse number 8 says this, The wise in heart will receive commandments. God, you said it, I'll do it. God, you said it, I'll do it. They receive commandments, but a prating fool shall fall. Now, we, that word commandment, think about that word commandment for a second. We hear it often, we read the word of God, we see it mentioned numerous times in the word of God. But what is a commandment? What does it mean? Well, Proverbs chapter 6 tells us what a commandment is to us. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 23 says this, For the commandment is a lamp, a lamp, and the law is light, and reproves of instruction are the way of life. And then another very well-known verse to us in Psalm 119, 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. So understand that the commandments of God are lights to us in a dark world. Church, understand this. I will not be able to avoid the minds without the light of God's word. I need God's word. So it is essential that I am familiar with God's word, but it is also essential that I obey God's word. The reason that a wise man can walk circumspectly or or cautiously is because they have the Word of God, but more importantly, they use the Word of God. That's why knowledge doesn't always equal wisdom. There's a lot of foolish people with a seminary degree. That Just because you know it don't mean you're wise. You've got to use it. That's what makes you wise. You can have a knowledge of God's Word, but until you apply that knowledge, you do not have wisdom. But the end of verse, Proverbs chapter 10 and verse number 8 says this, but a prating fool shall fall. Now, we don't use that word prating in 2023, but the word prating means they like to talk. So we could say that a fool likes to talk more than they like to listen. Now, you don't start thinking about people. But a fool likes to talk more than they like to listen. And what's the result? They fall. They stumble. They have access to light, but all they want to do is talk. They don't want to listen to what light has to say. They want to ignore the light. So they stumble. They fall. So if we're going to walk in wisdom, number one, we've got to say this. We have to be cautious in our walk. Use the light of God's word to guide you. You can't make it without it. Read it. Memorize it. Obey it. Chew on it. Talk about it. Quote it. Just get involved with it. Number two, we had to, number one, we've got to be cautious in our walk. Number two, we've got to be considerate of our time. We have to be considerate of our time. Notice verse number 16 of our passage, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 16. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Now, when it comes to being considerate of time, oftentimes we think about being considerate of other people's time. Or we think about people being considerate of our time. But do we ever think about the danger of wasting our own time? A lot of things have changed in our lives. Now, one of the biggest things that changed is cell phones. Now, back when I first started driving in my 1989 Honda Prelude, Candy Apple Red, love that car, we had this thing called a bag phone. Remember the bag phones? 
You plug, you plug them in the cigarette lighter. You remember cigarette lighters? Yeah. You, 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 pl- you plug them in that. Now, and when you pick it up to call somebody, you hope they can hear you, and you hope you can hear them. It's there, but it didn't, it didn't really always work all the time. But you couldn't take it with you. But then something crazy happened. They took the wires off where you could put it in your pocket and take it everywhere with you, and your whole life changed. You used to try to get away from people. As long as you was away from your phone, you could escape. Now there's no escape. You take, you take it everywhere with you. So the cell phone, okay? So then the cell phone evolved into the... I hate that word evolved. It, it, it evolved into the word... Into, to a flip phone. You remember the flip phones? Okay, I, we, we couldn't, I couldn't afford a flip phone. So what we'd do, we'd get the old phones, and we'd flip it up now and say, look at my flip phone. So, that was a late 90s joke. Um, so we had the flip phone. Then you went into the razors. You remember the razors? Uh-huh, yeah. Then... I, I then the Blackberries. I never had a Blackberry. I had one of them old, them old phones. We called them the Rocks. I don't know what they were. I think they were Motorola or something. What is it? Nokia? Is that the one you could run over it with a car? Throw it in the water, and it still worked. It was wonderful because I was rough on phones. But then eventually we get we get to the smartphones. All that's changed. TV has changed. Music has changed. How many remember VHSs? VHSs. We you go rent them from Blockbuster or back in Union we had a thing called movies, and and <laughs> you'd go you'd go to movies and you'd get the VHS and on the top of the on the VHS the tape it would have be, be kind please rewind. Y'all some of y'all kids don't know what rewind means, but that's you had that's it. So you had that then you had cassette tapes, okay, records, eight tracks, then you had these things called CDs. Some of y'all, what's a CD? That's, that's where we're getting at today. But so much has changed. And you think about why all that's changed today. People change, it's changed because of convenience. Now, why is convenience so important? Because convenience, we say, it gives us more time. But let me, let me can, can we all agree with this? Do we really have more time today? People are, are busier today than they've ever been. But all of that's changed, but there's still only 24 hours in a day. There's still only uh, 1,440 minutes every single day. And if my math is correct, and it could be wrong, there's 86,000 seconds every single day. Every day. But the point that Paul is making in this verse is in a world that is using its time incorrectly, we must redeem, or the word redeem means to buy back. When, when, when Christ saved you, he bought you from the slave market of sin. He redeemed you. And so what he's saying is, you need to buy back. You need to redeem the time. Understand this. We don't use our time like a, we don't need to use our time like a lost person uses their time. One of the ways to redeem the time in this evil world is by making the priorities of Scripture the priorities of my life. So what are some priorities of Scripture for my life? It's a priority for me to spend time with Jesus. God makes that a priority for my life. I need to spend time with God in His Word. I need to spend time with God in prayer. Joshua chapter 1. Verse number 8, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, 
but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then, then, when you do that, when you meditate there on day and night, when you keep in your mouth, then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. There's a lot of thens in there. Those, the end of that verse doesn't happen, the beginning of that verse doesn't happen. Psalm 1-2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. God expects us to spend time in the word of God. But 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And verse number 17 says this, pray without ceasing. That's consistent prayer. That's some ways that that God prioritizes our time that way, so we should prioritize our time that way. Here's another one. It's a priority for me to love my wife. Not just tell her, but show her. True love doesn't just just say it. it. It does it. It's a priority for me to spend time with my children, raise my children, love my children. It's exactly right. Proverbs 29, 15 says this, A child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. It's not the school's job to raise my kids. It's not the church's job to raise my kids. It's certainly not the government's job to raise my kids. That's a whole other story. But if I'm going to raise my kids, it doesn't happen by accident. Just because our children live with us doesn't mean that we're raising them. Amen and amen. We can provide for them but not raise them. Ephesians chapter 6 verse number 4 says this, And you fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Nurture and admonition take time. It takes time. By the way, it's it's a priority for me to provide for my family. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse number 8 says this, But if any provide not for his own, and specific, especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. You don't hear that every day, but it's right there in the Word of God. Here's another one. Y'all okay? It's a priority for me to be faithful to church. It's a priority for me to share the gospel. Absolutely. If I make it through a day without looking through Facebook or Twitter, it's okay. You'll probably be happier. That's fine. That don't have to be a priority for me. But but I'm not using my time wisely if I neglect the things that God prioritizes in my life. Life is too short for us to do everything we want to do. But it's long enough for us to do everything God wants us to do. Now, if I'm doing these things and then I have some time for me, then have me time. Nothing wrong with that. But when me time takes the priority over his priorities, wisdom walks out and foolishness walks in. At that very moment. Thomas Watson said this, Time misspent is not time lived, but time lost. How much time are we losing because we are misspending it? If you misspend your money, you can get more, but you can't get more time. You just have to cut out the clutter and free up more time. 
So one way for me to redeem the time is by making God's priorities my priorities. Another way is by cutting out the idle time. That's a problem in our day. We know the old saying, an idle mind is the devil's playground, or the other version is the, an idle mind is the devil's workshop. D- different, different versions of it. But it's the same truth. Well, th- that's not actually in the Bible, but it probably is a good chance it came from this verse. Very similar. Be careful about having too much idle time. May I say, if we're taking care of the Lord's priorities, then our idle time will be far less. By the way, it's summertime. Teenagers, it's not wise to sit around all summer and not do anything. Get busy. How much trouble, how many people have I counseled and talked to and they say, well, I just I got involved in something because I wasn't doing, I wasn't busy. Stay busy. Go cut the grass. Well, I cut my grass. Go cut the neighbor's grass. Go find somebody's grass to cut. Go weed eat. Do something. Go build something. Get busy. God created us to work. Adam worked before the fall of man. Adam tilled the garden. Get busy. Don't sit around with idle time. Because listen, while you're trying to find something to do and you can't find nothing to do, the devil will find you something to do. The devil will find you something to think about. The devil will find you something to look at. Be careful about the idle time. In an evil world that does nothing but waste time, may we as children of God redeem it, buy it back. So if we're going to walk in wisdom, we need to be cautious in our walk. We need to be considerate of our time. Number three, we need to be cognizant of God's will. Cognizant of God's will. Notice verse number 17. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. The phrase, will of God, or will of the Lord, or will of my Father is used 25 times in the New Testament. It's a phrase that Jesus used. It's a phrase that Peter used. It's a phrase that Paul used, that Luke used, that John used. And it is a phrase that describes the desire, the purpose, or the plan of God. So the question is, what is the will of God? It depends. And the answer is longer than the question. But even though the answer is, it can be long and, and detailed and dependent on the situation, it is essential for us to know the will of God. Because here in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul tells us that we cannot be wise unless we understand what the will of the Lord is. Let me simplify this for you. In everything, God has a will. In everything. In creation, God had a will. At the fall of man, God had a will. During the flood, God had a will. He had a will for the Israelites when they were in Egypt. He had a will for them when they were in the wilderness. He had a will for them when they went to the promised land. He had a will for them when they were in captivity. He had a will when Jesus was born in a manger. He had a will while Christ was ministering on the earth. He said, Jesus said this, not my will, but thine be done. He told us to say, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. He had a will when he was on the cross. He had a will for the early church. He has a will for this church. He has a will for your life. He has a will for my life. 
God's will is a very, very broad subject. But understand this. He has a will for my minute. He has a will for my second. He has a will for your minute. He has a will for your seconds. Why am I saying all this? Because I want you to understand that the will of God will be around as long as God is around. God will always have a will for anything that belongs to Him. And if you're saved, you belong to Him. But unless we walk in wisdom, we will not understand the will of God. But when you look at verse 17, who is it that is not going to understand the will of God? It's the unwise. It's those who are not being cautious in their walk. It's those who are not redeeming the time. Understand this, church. Life is not as complicated as we make it out to be. Right decisions lead to right results. That's that's it. You can't sow lies and rebellion and expect showers of blessings. It doesn't work that way. No more than you can plant an apple tree and expect oranges. It doesn't work that way. Life is simple. What is the right thing to do right now? But Brother Lee, what, what does God want for my life? Some of you teenagers are probably thinking right now, who does God, I'm 15 years old and I don't know who God wants me to marry. Don't worry about that right now. Do your school work. Do some chores. But how will, I, how will I know what God wants to do with my life? How do I know what God wants for my career? How do I know what, who, who God wants me to marry? How will I know these things? L- let me give you an illustration. And I told the 8.30 this morning. I was, study, I was looking back this week, and the very first message I ever preached at Bible Baptist Church was on the will of God. Out of Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 17. It's a different message, by the way. Not the same message. But I, I use this illustration. And it's always really led me and guided me when, when it comes to making decisions. I can't, I don't know what God has for me five years down the road. I don't know what God, I don't know what God has for me tomorrow. I don't. But tonight we got BBS. And whatever time we leave, it's probably going to be daylight because I think it says daylight at 9.30 now. But if, it's, 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 if it gets close to dark, me and my family, we'll get in the car and we're going to pull out on Harrison Bridge Road. And we're going to Spartanburg. But when I'm right here at Harrison Bridge Road, I'm not going to see every single turn. All the, I don't, I'm not going to see. I may can see the exit off 385 that says toward Columbia. But I'm not going to see exit 16 toward Woodruff. I'm not going to, I can't see that from right here. I can't see 101 from right here. I can't see 221 from right here. But to get there, if it's dark, in this dark world, I'm going to have to follow the light that's right in front of me. I'm going to turn those headlights on, and I'm going to follow the light. And I'm going to follow the light. And that light's going to sound, it's going to sound on a command. Especially if you've got a GPS. They're, GPS, they're, very, they're very demanding, okay? Rerouting, rerouting. I don't want to go that way, rerouting. They're, they're, very, they're very commanding. But you, you follow the light. And you go there. And as I keep going, I'm keeping the follow, I'm following the light, I'm following the light, and, I, and finally. And that's, that's what will happen in your Christian life. Don't try to figure it all out. Just do, follow the walk in the light as he is in the light. Where you're at right now, make the right choice, and eventually you'll be where he wants you to be. That's so important. It's not complicated. Just do We try to skip over the commandments and figure it out ourselves. That's dumb. Follow the light. 
Proverbs chapter 13, verse number 6 says this, Righteousness keepeth him that is upright in the way, but wickedness overthroweth the sinner. How can we know God's personal will for our lives? Live right. Make right choices now and leave the rest up to him. That verse there in Proverbs chapter 13, the past few months during this transition, I guess you could say, it's a verse that I've heavily leaned on. Because I, mean, I went to Pastor Cox back at the beginning of March and um, began to, to talk to him there. And I said, Preacher, I just, I, I love Bible Baptist Church and I love Bible Baptist Church. And I said, I feel like God wants me to be a senior pastor again. And um, at that point, I said, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know where. I don't. I don't have a clue. But God knows. God knows where he wants me to be. And may I say this, I don't know what's best for me. I don't. By the way, you don't know what's best for you. But he knows what's best for us. But during that time, I know preacher, he told me, he said, he said, you did this all backward. He said, most people, usually when somebody's taking a church, they go and talk to the church and interview and, preacher, I'm letting you know I'm going to preach a trial sermon. I didn't, I did, I'm, a, I'm a transparent person. And that's, I told the 830, if I've been acting weird the past three months, I apologize. I just, I'm, I'm an open book. I can't hide stuff. If I'd have talked to you normal, I'd probably spill the beans. That's just me. I, I can't do that. But I've tried my best in every, every decision. I'm, I've tried my best to make the right decision in every single turn because I don't want to mess up my life by making dumb decisions. I, I, I remember this. There was, there was times that during this, I, I'd talked to several different churches, and there was times where I'd go a week and I hadn't heard from that church, or two weeks and I hadn't heard from that church. I didn't reach out. I didn't say what's going on because I did not want to get in the way. God, this is yours. This is yours. You put me where you want to put me. You close every door that you don't want me to go through and you open the right door. And that's exactly what he did. His timing was unbelievable the way it worked. It's unbelievable. But here's the key in all of this. If we're going to walk in wisdom, if we're going to walk, we've got to use the word of God. But I feel, it doesn't matter what you feel. Your feelings, don't allow your feelings to dictate your decisions. Lead your feelings. Don't let your feelings lead you. Allow the word of God to lead you. In, in a world, in a world that's full of darkness, in a world that is trying to, that wants to infiltrate our families and infiltrate our homes, let's walk in wisdom. Live as children of light, not children of darkness. Let's pray.